All right, let's get into this today. Let's get into this today. I want to speak uh, about being good citizens. Uh, I want to talk about concerns around vaccines. And in general, how do we love our neighbor? How do we love our neighbor? What a great topic. Uh, I'll mainly be speaking from Romans 13, 1 to 10, which I think is the most definitive passage on Scripture on the responsibility that we as Christians have towards governing authorities and just generally being good neighbours. So um, it, we're not left in the dark on this. There's a, there's a great passage that will guide us. And it comes in response to a number of you asking me, how do we respond as followers of Jesus to this public health crisis? Um, I know that for some, there are concerns about freedoms and restrictions, about government overreach, some even about end time prophecies. Um, if you're like me, you probably get sent lots of articles and videos uh, on vaccines and vaccine passports and questions around marks of the beast and, and who can we trust and so on. So I'm going to try and address today what the Bible says um, about some of these issues and how I've come to my conclusion about getting vaccinated. Does that sound good? You see, I want us as a church to be able to navigate the landscape that we find ourselves in as Christians. Uh, we want to be able to think theologically through the issues we face and not just pragmatically or according to our political leanings. We need to, in other words, think Christianly. We need to think Christianly about all kinds of things, about our response to refugees, to the environment, to um, paying our taxes, to being good neighbours, all kinds of things. We need to think Christianly. And often that takes a, a certain shape. And we need to have mature conversations, uh, not just stating our views and then blocking our ears to any kind of opinions that are contrary to ours that we don't agree with. And even if we disagree, we should be able to stay in community and love one another. Uh, remember what Jesus said about the world knowing us because of our unity and our love for each other. Um, that's got to be the main thing. We've got to, we've got to stay together and we've got to keep loving each other. Reminds me about the old joke about two Baptists from Texas and Arizona. Uh, they were at a national conference and they were both walking when they ran into each other onto a bridge and they saw that they were from the same conference and they gave each other a hug. And uh, the Texan Baptist asked the Arizonan Baptist if he was a reformed conservative Baptist and the Arizona guy said, yes, I am. And they hugged. Uh, then the Texas Baptist asked the Arizona Baptist if he was a cessationist, predestinarian, reformed, conservative Baptist. And the Arizona Baptist said, yes, I am. And they hugged. And then the Texas Baptist asked the Arizona Baptist if he was a premillennial, cessationist, predestinarian, reformed, conservative Baptist. And the Arizona Baptist said, uh, no, I'm an amillennial, cessationist, predestinarian, reformed, conservative Baptist. <laughs> And the Texas Baptist yelled at him, you heretic. And he grabbed him and he threw him off the bridge. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> that would do it. That would do it. That'll do it. That'll, thank you, Chris. Us Baptists, we take stuff very, very seriously. Um, so we've got to remember that our witness to the world stems from our unity 
and our love for one another. Why talk on this? Well, I believe that not addressing hot issues is potentially more damaging than addressing hot issues and having people disagree. See, a void always gets filled, doesn't it? And my concern is that it can get filled with misinformation or the loudest voices. Uh, I sometimes joke that we need to make sure that we aren't getting our theology and our public health advice from some guy in a basement in rural Tasmania who got a Bible diploma from the four horsemen of the apocalypse Bible college. <laughs> right? Because not all sources are equal. Not all opinions are to be trusted. And not all information that is out there has equal weight. So enough of my rambling. Let's have a look at Romans 13. Can I encourage you to open your Bible? Um, it always helps if our thinking is guided by the Word of God. And as I said, not just our own pragmatism or political leanings. Let's have a look at it. Romans 13. This is really the definitive text on a Christian's posture towards governing authorities. So what does the Apostle Paul say? From verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels, rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So, for rulers, hold no terror for those who do what's right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. That's why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. Verse 8, Romans 13. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves... Others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, whatever other commandments there may be, are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Oh man, what an interesting passage. Paul has two interrelated points here. Firstly, be a good citizen by being subject to the governing authorities. And secondly, love your neighbor as a fulfillment of the law. The point here is that Paul cares about followers of Jesus being good citizens because he cares about the plausibility of the gospel. Now, I really believe that Christians should make the absolute best citizens a society can have. Do you agree with that? Do you think we should be the best citizens? 
I remember a couple of years ago, Northern Beaches Council did this kind of Young Citizens of the Year competition. And there was like six prizes. And all six were won by the youth of C3 Oxford Falls. And all these people were like in uproar going, oh, it's rigged, it's rigged. And so well, maybe they're just good citizens because they're following Jesus and trying to do good. Well, Jesus calls us the light of the world. Our good deeds are meant to glorify our Father in heaven. Right? Jesus expects his people to be good citizens, to shine brightly in a dark world. And if, as Ephesians says, we are created for good works, then surely those outside of the church should appreciate and be grateful for us do-gooders. Like, it's, that's, that's not a bad badge of honor. We should be do-gooders in our community. Neighborhoods, culture, society should be much worse off without churches and ordinary Christians like you and me if we were not in them, right? Christians should be leading the charge in modeling compassion. Uh, hospitality, concern for the poor, concern for refugees. Uh, it is in this context of transformed, generous, and loving our neighbor lives that the gospel becomes plausible. You know, after all, Jesus did not leave a book. One got written about him after, divinely inspired. But he did leave a community. And the plausibility of the gospel is linked to how that community lives their lives. Uh, my parents were chatting with a couple at the park. Um, Chris, the police are here. Can you just go chat with them? Uh, my parents were chatting with a couple at the park who were admiring our dog, Teddy. And um, the conversation was progressing generally. And then they asked my parents, are you vaccinated? My parents said, yes, we are too. And then all of a sudden the woman started ranting about this neighbor of theirs who was not vaccinated and who just believed that the good Lord would kind of heal them miraculously. And there was no need for them to get vaccinated. Uh, and it was definitely meant in a derogatory way. Um, it implied her attitude towards Christians was tarnished by the attitude of her neighbors. So you can see how the plausibility of the gospel is linked to what kind of lives we live and what kind of citizens we are. Um, just by the way, as an aside, yes, we believe that God heals us. Of course we do. And I've seen God heal people. But we also take Panadol and other vaccines and get surgery if we break our arms. So the two are not unrelated. But I think I see elements within the Christian church, particularly with those with strong views against the government and health professional advice in this hour, who end up with this kind of persecution complex. Now, look at Afghanistan. That's what persecution looks like. And in our case, with churches being closed and so on, some see it as this kind of apocalyptic sign of the government wanting to control us and to shut us down. But, but, but let, let me suggest to you, if it was just churches being shut down and not theatres and indoor entertainment venues and sporting events and concerts, that's when I would then have concerns. I'd remind you that we are in the midst of a once in a hundred year public health emergency. I, I really don't think, guys, that we are being persecuted. I think what we are being asked to do is our part in the overall community's response to staying 
safe. So, what does Paul say about being a good citizen and a neighbor? Firstly, he says, it is the Christian's moral duty to be subject to the governing authorities. And it says that they are established by God. That's just what the Bible says. The word subject in Greek is hupotasso, and it means a voluntary attitude of cooperating and being under the authority of something. So to be subject is about voluntary submission to the directions given by those in the governing authorities who are over you. And can I just say, you know, like, like Paul wrote this in about 54 um, AD, and the big persecution of Christians, I mean, Jews and Christians had already been kicked out of Rome in the mid-40s by some of the um, emperors. And so they'd already had some persecution. Um, the big persecution of Nero kicked in about 10 years later when he um, started feeding Christians to the lions and blaming them for the burning of Rome. But I would note that this was something that the early church fathers like Irenaeus continued to uphold and practice even as the persecution of the church intensified over the next hundred years. Here's the gist of Romans 13. Do what is right, verse 3, and you will be commended. In other words, you will have nothing to fear. Instead, you will be looked upon favorably. Verse 5 tells us to submit to the authorities, not just because of fear of punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Because in the Jewish mindset, you know, there was kind of these different institutions that were established by God that were put in place to create order out of chaos. Very Eugene Peterson. Um, and government was one such institution that the Jewish people believed had been established by God in order to create peace and order. And so we should, says Paul, out of conscience, be looking to be good citizens. Hopefully that's why we pay our taxes. Uh, that's why we show government respect. Uh, and verse 7, we show the government honour. And it's in that context that we can then preach the gospel and have the freedom as God's church to be the visible manifestation of his kingdom. Now, Anyone sitting there thinking that raises a few questions? Should we refuse to be subject to the governing authorities in particular situations and circumstances? Right? When do we go all Daniel <laughs> and refuse the edicts of the king? Right? When do, we, when do we refuse to bow down to what those in authority are saying we should do? Oh, that was a good line. When should we go all Daniel? <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, and I would suggest that there are rare but real times when Christians of conscience cannot obey the laws of the land. And as I kind of read about this from theologians with greater minds than mine, uh, there's basically two categories. First, when we are being restricted or banned from preaching the gospel. You see that in Acts 5. Peter just says, who should I obey, God or man, right? And then he goes on preaching the gospel. And I think of the amazing, brave underground church in Iran or China who disobey their governments to continue to preach the gospel and to, as best they can, meet as an underground church. 
And secondly, I would say where you are being forced to disobey God's moral law, such as an imposition to kill or steal or deny your faith. Uh, And historically, there have been Christians like Dietrich Bonhoeffer who refused to obey the Nazi government of Germany and he ultimately paid with his own life. But in general, we need to follow Paul's exhortation to be subject to the government. Not just when it's the political party of your choice who are in power. Right? Remember elsewhere, 1 Timothy and in Peter as well, 1 Peter, we are told to pray for the king and to pray for the emperor. Uh, Remember what Jesus said about the, the coin? He said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and to God's what is God's. Why? Because while we still belong to the kingdom of God and are ultimately citizens now of heaven, we are still sojourners in this world, subject to the civil authorities placed over us. Now, just a side note on this. You may know that at the time of Jesus, there were other messianic movements and leaders who actually did rebel against the government, against the Roman Empire. Indeed, we know that Jesus on the cross was placed in between two insurrectionists. And those uh, were these who 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 would overthrow the ruling authorities through force and through violence. It never ended well. Maybe a few short-term victories before being absolutely crushed by the Roman Empire. Where did those movements go? Uh, They were confined to the dustbin or the, the, the rubbish bin of history. But Jesus' kingdom, with a ragtag bunch of followers who were told to be non-violent and peacemakers, whose kingdom was upside down, whose kingdom was about loving the poor and showing mercy and compassion, it progressed through the whole Roman Empire and and the the whole world. And it progressed through love of God and love of neighbor by service and not through trying to cling to power. So it comes through not being served, but by being subject, by being hupotasso to all. So the next bit bit of Romans 13, 8 to 10. Paul continues this theme of being a good citizen as he considers the Jewish law. Verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder. You shall not steal, you shall not covet. Whatever other commands there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now here, once again, we see that Paul sums up being a follower of Jesus and a keeper of the law through the lens of loving our neighbor. Again, our decisions, how do we live our lives, just as we are to submit to the governing authorities, finds a second lens. As Christians, we are, what are we to do in in making decisions? Uh, All that we do is to be done through this lens of loving our neighbors as ourselves. Love does no harm to a neighbor. And love, we are told, is the fulfillment of the law. So in thinking about being a good citizen and giving the gospel credibility, we are to put off pure self-interest and think through ethically what does loving our neighbor look like? 
What does, no, what does doing no harm to a neighbor entail? So this week I, I did, I went and got a vaccine. And it was nice actually, Eva from church was uh, the nurse. Uh, she was there working at, at Priceline. Uh, it was really nice to see, I keep bumping into people at church from doing exercise and so on, isn't that lovely? But I went and got my vaccine and I want to take you through my reasoning, particularly in light of Romans 13. Is that okay? Now, you may disagree, that's fine, but I appreciate the courtesy of listening as I am very happy to listen to your point of view. So, taking the principle of being subject to the governing authorities, of loving your neighbour and wanting to be good citizens so that the gospel is also plausible, I have come to the place where I think it is the right thing to do. Now, the latest statistics show that in places like the US and the UK, where ICU wards are once again filling up with patients who are severely ill and dying from COVID. But they are finding that up to 95% of such cases are amongst the unvaccinated. And while the vaccine doesn't completely stop transmission of the deadly virus, clearly it does help with lowering transmission rates. And certainly what we know is that it is very effective at stopping severe cases and death. So in a place like the UK, what is clear is that despite a large surge or new wave of infections, up to 30,000 a day in the UK, over the last two months, hospitalizations and deaths are dramatically down. And amongst those who are severely ill and dying, it is primarily those who have chosen not to get vaccinated. So the government, I note, has not forced but asked its citizens to get vaccinated as a response and way out of this public health crisis. I just pause for a second and just, we need to reflect on what a tragedy this pandemic has been globally. You know, we of course think of Jana and Anne who lost their dad and husband, John, in the Philippines. Mm -hmm to COVID. Uh, just this week, I found out from our denomination that 221 Baptist pastors have died across the Asia Pacific region of COVID-19. 221 Baptist pastors. And all my friends in the US, Kenya and elsewhere who have had COVID describe it in awful terms. This is not something you want. This is not something you want your neighbor to have. So we take this seriously and we listen to the advice of our government as how to respond. And just another aside, I think as Christians, I'm on my soapbox today. <laughs> as Christians, we need to be careful about a constant suspicion towards science and government and media. Now, obviously we are to be a prophetic voice to the world. We are to hold all institutions to account when they are unfairly biased or immoral or lying. But you know, this idea that you can never trust the mainstream media or government or science really troubles me. Now, yes, they should be held to high account, but, but you are not being routinely lied to. You know, and don't we know the truth that there are good faithful Christians working 
at the highest levels of science. Think of Francis Collins in America and government. You know, both Labour and Liberal have fantastic Christians who serve in Parliament and the media. Okay, I can't think of too many Christians in the media. But <laughs> no, the media too has lots of wonderful Christians. So this kind of thinking really leads to fear and sets us up in constant opposition to the authorities. I just don't think that's healthy. And tell me, which of these are Christian virtues? Fear, suspicion, anxiety? You know, constantly looking over our shoulder? Is that a Christian virtue? Or is faith and generosity and peace? All right, coming into land. So the government, who I broadly trust, has asked us to respond by getting vaccinated. And then, of course, we must ask ourselves, what does it mean to love our neighbour? Assuming we can keep ourselves and our neighbours safe or safer by getting the vaccine. As a fulfilment of the law, Christians are asked to keep very clearly by the Apostle Paul in Romans 13. What does it mean to love the elderly? To love the vulnerable? And to love the people who live around us? So again, this leads me to want to do the right thing for our community. And for me, any concerns that get raised about vaccines are outweighed by my desire to love my neighbours and to keep them safe. And let's face it, while that might sound pretty high and mighty, there's a fair bit of self-interest mixed in too. I don't want to get this damn thing, you know? I don't want to catch it. So there's another reason. So that's where I've landed. And I would encourage you to take the same course of action. Be subject to government, honouring our leaders placed over us by God. Love our neighbours, do them no harm as a fulfilment of the law. And using our God-given minds, we can see that vaccines are extremely effective against severe COVID death and lowering transmissions. And remember, if you disagree, reach out. I'd love to chat because the greatest thing we have in common is we're following Jesus. So don't throw me off a bridge. <laughs>